Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, whether they're eBooks or earrings. Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And today we've got a really fascinating guest. We've got some interesting content to talk about. We've got some interesting stories. We're here with Doze Mbanu. And uh, and I've worked on that pronunciation. Hopefully I've got it reasonably (laughs) good now. And we're going to find out a little bit about Dr. J's eco-friendly fungi. So, uh, you know, we've got some interesting stuff around the agricultural side or the grow side of uh, the cannabis chain, uh, the product chain. And we're going to find out a little bit about how the business got formed, the work that they've done, where they are, kind of the, the success, the trials, the tribulations. So thank you very much for being on the program. It's been uh, interesting to kind of read uh, your background. And does it, uh, why don't we start with just having you give us a little bit of background of yourself, kind of professional background, personal background, how you got into this. And I, and I know you've got some interesting background, so I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. And then we can talk a little bit about the business. Okay, sure enough. So a uh, little bit about myself. Grew up here, born and raised here in Philadelphia, and uh, ended up uh, on a very unique journey uh, post-college. Went to Lehigh University, Uh, on a basketball scholarship, and after that, set off on a journey uh, internationally that took me to South America, Europe, and the Middle East during a career that spanned 17 years, and I retired from playing professional basketball at the age of 40 uh, in 2010. Um, After that, faced with a lot of athletes who who are now faced with starting the second phase of their life yeah. and career, figuring out what my next play was. And 
I ended up in some very unique situations while I was a player, especially during the last 10 years of my career. I ended up and all this came about because of a freak injury I had in 1999 when I was 29. I broke my foot very severely two days before Christmas. How about that? (laughs) I had the uh, fifth metatarsal, what they call now the Jones fracture. I decided not to opt for any surgery, so didn't realize we originally thought that would be about um, three to four weeks. It ended up being in the cast. I I was in the cast for five months. Wow. Season was a wrap. Yeah. Uh, Then after they took the cast, it was a whole journey with rehab and didn't end up back on the court until December of the of the next year. So a full year. um, During my time of rehab in the summer, I got a call from from a uh, committee member of a club in Cyprus, and he heard about me. My fiance at the time was uh, from Cyprus, and we were here in the USA living and uh, while I was going through rehab. And he calls me, offers me a five-year deal, and I said, look, Mm -hmm. I, I was blatantly honest. I don't know how the foot is going to recover. I'm trying to rehab. And They made me an offer, and I told them, if you can organize it with my agent, no problem. So the rest is history. I ended up in Cyprus, didn't get back on the court till December, but ended up another 10 years, and that took me to 40. So while I was in that cast for four months, my agent at the time, uh, who is now actually the director of scouting for the Denver Nuggets, uh, he's no longer an agent, Mm -hmm. and he made me an offer that set me off on a, another part of my career that has to do with the post part of my career. Um, he made me an offer to come and help him with his business, his sports agency, because it was growing. Yeah, Probably one of the best opportunities I could have ever had. Not only when I went back to playing those final 10 years from the age of 30 to 40, he was representing me for the first couple of those years. We also started having clients that we Hmm. represented together. My job was to recruit uh, new clients into his agency. Uh, We ended up with some clients internationally that that we represented together and then some coaches. So that was very unique while I was still a professional player. So I ended up in a very unique situation. And then his business started growing even more. He was also... Uh, selling scouting reports to NBA teams at the time. So he got extremely busy. And basically, at a certain point, we agreed that any clients that we were representing at that time, we would continue to represent them, co-represent them until they retired. And since he was growing and he didn't have as much attention to apply to some of the newer clients I wanted to bring in, we agreed that I would start my own business and we'd still have those clients that we co-represented and then that set me off on a whole nother tangent because the last four years of my career all these unique things just happened a teammate of mine who was the junior coach of the club i was playing for he got injured he grew up through the club he was young 28 years old and now my second year with the club he becomes the head coach Mm -hmm. at 28 years old 28 so he came to me because I had been bringing players. He knew I was. I had some former NBA players that I brought to Europe, 
and put with teams in other countries in Europe and in Cyprus. So he came to me and told me, I'm going to need your help in helping to build this team. And the very unique situation that I, I don't think ever existed was not only was I a player on the team, but I also represented yeah. the third and the fourth of the team for <laughs> until my retirement. <laughs> and that set that's me a pretty unique, a very good unique setup. Yeah. Yes, very unique. After that, in 2010, I started realizing the sports management as far as player representation became oversaturated yeah. with agents. Everybody was trying to get into the agent game now. Uh, You had numbers of agents everywhere in the States, uh, internationally. So what I did was I said there's had to myself, there has to be a better way. And I wanted to now started to diversify my offering in the sports management space. I still was representing certain players, Mm -hmm. uh, but I set off on doing unique and niche basketball projects and which led me into certain things such as international basketball event management. Mm -hmm. And I came up with uh, a very unique idea. So there I had uh, also set off a proposal when I retired about since I'm Nigerian and I once played for the Nigerian national team in 1998. That was the team that competed for the world championships Mm -hmm. in Greece I knew that there were some issues. Sometimes it was financial. Sometimes it was, you could say, logistics, sometimes a little organization. So I wrote a proposal and it was about why we weren't in every major sporting event like the Olympics. The men's team had never made the Olympics. The women's team had. And I was on one of the teams, uh, two teams that had made the world championships. But we have an abundance of talent from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. I'm considered a, you know, in America, this mm-hmm. newfound second generation, you know, of, yeah. of Nigerian. And I, I wrote this proposal and sent it to the the president of the uh, federation. And actually, he responded after a month. That's uh, great. Make a long story short, we met five months later in London. I pitched to him there, him and the vice president, that he accepted my proposal. And to make an even longer story short, 10 months later, they asked me, how would you like to be the manager of our men's national team? The Olympics was coming up in 2012. That was in November of 2011. And make an even longer story short, eight months later, we qualified for the first Olympics. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yes. In London. Um, yeah, it was it was from there that I started to notice some trends yeah. internationally back here, following back home. Certain trends about sustainability were coming to light. Things like climate change, uh, global warming, organic food that was on now becoming a very popular topic. And I just so happened to have a good family pipeline where my aunt. Uh, my mother's sister uh-huh. is a plant physiologist and botanist who worked for the Department of Agriculture for the Forestry Service. 
and I grew up with her in that role uh, yeah. in the 70s. So my mother used to take us on vacation to visit her in the summer when school would get out. Yeah. And I have vivid memories of me and my brother running around that government laboratory and greenhouse playing tag and hide and go seek while she was working. <laughs> so <laughs> talk about exposure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, what I love about the story and what I love about the journey you've been on is that it really is it's it's. Going through all those kind of elements of entrepreneurial kind of thinking and experiences, you know, yes. uh, everything kind of from the scrappy, how do we get this started to how do we take a system that has a lot of, you know, a lot of assets, a lot of good qualities, but is lacking organization, is lacking vision, lacking structure. How do we put it together and align it so that we can achieve these big goals? I mean, quite honestly, you, you've achieved some of the biggest goals there are. You know, Olympics yes. is like the pinnacle of of the yes. sports world. So and, and I'm I'm really curious to hear how like as you've gone through that you've learned about teams you've learned about leadership you've learned about you know how do you create direction and vision how is that kind of transferred now to you on the business side so so I guess maybe and, and fill us in so you you got into the kind of the 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 botanics you know understanding growing and what goes into making high quality sustainable organic products tell yes. us a little bit about the business now and then what have you been I guess leveraging what have you been borrowing from your experiences into into the enterprise at this point? Absolutely. So um, from those experience and two key things that put me where I am now in the biotech, the ag tech space is one, a friend showed me Leonardo DiCaprio's documentary about global warming yeah. and climate change. Uh, number two was while at the Olympics, the London Olympics uh, in 2012, in the Olympic Village, what I noticed were their sustainability initiatives. Mm. Even the dome, uh, the arena that we played in was a sustainably built uh, arena that was going to be parts of it recycled, actually. I think they sent part of it to Brazil and with mm -hmm. it, that was utilized in the 2016 Olympics. And that really set my mind off on this tangent. Came home from the Olympics because I was also living in Cyprus. Told him I wanted to come back to Philadelphia. Came back and approached my aunt, the scientist. Mm -hmm. the, I call her, she's the brains behind our, uh, <laughs> Dr. J's eco-friendly, uh, Janaret's eco-friendly fungi. Um, and approached her about she made a discovery in the 80s, the mid 80s, while I was in high school about these very beneficial fungus that yeah. are naturally occurring in almost any soil. So I came back from that experience in the Olympics and approached her about in the 80s. No one was talking about yeah. global warming, sustainability. You know, the, the EPA was just getting around to getting to companies who were doing a lot of polluting and dumping. Yeah. So no one was really on that tangent back then, except the hippies in California. <laughs> <laughs> except a small group in California yes, that kept, exactly. the, kept the vision alive. <laughs> yes. And they have been at that for years, in the 60s. Yeah. Since. So I came to her, approached her and said, I believe the time is right for a discovery she made after they had closed that laboratory. And she kept working on these fungus and I approached her and she said, well, if you think that we can get a product to market and commercialize her discovery, which she had patented in the early 1991 and 93, she said, go for it. Yeah, I will support this. But 
what I did was I said, okay, I'm a bootstrap this whole endeavor. And uh, I'm so glad we did that. Here we are. We really dove into this real deep in 2014. And here we are four years later, just sitting right here at the at the at at the door at the finish line of our first company race. Yeah. So, you know, all those practical experiences with leadership, logistics and putting things together actually are all the things I used in formulating formulating our company. We just registered the company in January as a LLC in January of 2017. So this is just 15 months later wow. and here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Um I'll tell you how we got to this point. Yeah. So tried with a couple of people, you know, we put paperwork together, no interest. And then probably the best thing that happened Pennsylvania legalized in April of 2016 the medical marijuana law. Yeah. I never forget as that momentum across the states who were already legalized before Pennsylvania, we saw uh, a show, I think it was either on uh, 60 Minutes or 2020, and it was about the legalized cannabis market yeah. and how it was growing and what the effects were on each state and how it was having effects on the country. And I never forget, Dr. Janaret said, I sure would love to test my product on that plant. Yeah. <laughs> and it just so happened that about literally about a month or two later, uh, she hands me a newspaper article, and it's about the first conference in Pennsylvania on medical mm-hmm. cannabis. And she was headed to see some relatives down south. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'll go. <laughs> and I registered online, paid, and just went to just go do some fact-finding, learning. It was a sold-out event, about four or 500 people in Center City, Philadelphia, And the issue was it was sold out. They had a great panel of people across the industry from all across the country. The issue was because it was sold out when you had these panel breaks, I was sitting in a line of like 20, 30 people deep trying to get to panel members. The day was I was losing the day, the time, and I had to be at an event in the afternoon by five o'clock, by two o'clock. I hadn't been able to connect with one panel member caught a break had to move my car because the ticket was expiring (laughs) coming back i catch one of the panel members who i identified and had written down and he's standing on the sidewalk by himself outside the conference i walk straight up to him introduce myself shake his hand and he looks at me he knows what i'm about to ask (laughs) and before i can get it out he says to me you got three minutes (laughs) Pitched to him right there on the sidewalk outside the conference. Imagine that. That man is the reason why our company is in the position it is now. His name is Stephen Shane. He works for one of the largest law firms in the legalized cannabis industry called Hoban Law. And Steve Shane told me, he said, look, give me your card. If I can't, help you strategically. I'm going to introduce you to some people who can. Yeah. After that, I walked into the event, to the conference. There were still lines of people I, I had to get to, and I left. He was the only person I got to that day. I leave, go to my event at my high school. It was the reunion alumni weekend. Mm-hmm. Go have fun, come back, 
in the next day is Sunday morning, and I don't know if I'm going to re- hear anything from him. You know how it goes with oh, yeah. networking. You might hear, you might not. The next morning, there's an email sitting in my email when I wake up from Steve Shane introducing me to the guys at Greenhouse Ventures, who were the group that put on the conference, that yeah. first cannabis conference. Yeah. And the rest... They hold this. So Greenhouse Ventures is a company that was started here in Philadelphia for ancillary companies, non-touching, non-plant touching companies for the cannabis industry. They run a business accelerator and were about to have their first class in the fall. We applied, got rejected in the summer. They told us your company's too early. You got some more infrastructure things. And then I guess the conversations started coming up for them with growers and people in the industry about how is your your cannabis being grown? Yeah. What it you know, what are you ingesting and consuming in your body? Yeah. And is it a pure form of cannabis? I went back to Cyprus while I was in Cyprus. I was naturalized. I was back there after they told us we were rejected Mm -hmm. Uh, and. I said, okay, we'll work on those things and apply for your next accelerator that was due to happen in the spring of 2017. I get a call in September, an email asking, could I get on a call, get on that call? They said some things came up within the industry that need addressing. I I was out riding my bike. I stopped. I called them back and they said, we need you to answer some questions. I, I race home. They send me the questions. I race home, call Dr. Janaret, who was here in Philadelphia. We answer the questions. I email it back. He don't hear a few days. A week later, I'm out riding my bike again. I get an email. Can you get on a call? I was at a store, check my phone. I get on that call. They said, look, something came up that addressing what your company is figuratively claiming it it can address. It has come up in the industry and people are interested in sustainable growing practices and having sustainable, eco-friendly organic cannabis. By the way, that was like a Friday. Their business accelerator was set in September, late September. Their business accelerator was set to begin on that Monday. They said, by the way, congratulations, you're accepted into our business accelerator and class starts on Monday. <laughs> At least you had the weekend. <laughs> I had the weekend. I called the co-founders, said we're, we're in. Now, now let, let me set up this picture. Their classes, and this was basically a boot camp, progressive, basically graduate course, mm-hmm. graduate level course load. For 10 weeks, class met three times a week here in Philadelphia, but you were able to take that class by video conference Mm -hmm. on Zoom. Uh, They had another company out of Las Vegas, another one in Maryland, D.C. area, and we were the third company and final company to get into their accelerator. Those classes were from 6 to 9 p.m. three times a week. Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I took the class via video conference in Cyprus at 1 a.m. to 4 (laughs) a.m. And their deal with me was your company is in, but you personally must show up here in person for the final four weeks of course class. I only missed one class. And I happened to be just 
I was early for the class. I was ready, had eaten dinner and then got tired. I said, OK, I'm going to take a quick 45 minute nap. I woke up at the end of class. But luckily, my two other co-founders, Dr. J, were on the course, uh, were on the video. And I was able to catch up yeah. from that. Just one class <laughs> showed up here for the final month and we successfully completed that accelerator in December of 2016 hit the ground running. And after that, it was all about positioning Dr. J to be exactly where we are right now. Yeah. So I guess what's the, the current state of the business? What are your current plans? What are the what are the real priorities, I guess, now that you've got it sounds like you've got some traction, you've got uh, yes. a round of funding behind you. What is your next move? Like, where, where do you go from here? So I'll tell you exactly where we are. So our goal was one to get people educated about what ectomycorrhizal fungi is yeah. actually is that is a fungus that dr janaret has really basically gone where no other scientist has ever gone before on the mycorrhizal fungi market there are roughly around 200 products the 99 percent of those products are endomycorrhizal fungi okay we work with ecto mycorrhizal fungi and there is a difference okay yeah so uh, what can you give us a quick synopsis of the yes chemical the chemistry here yes so endo basically endomycorrhizal fungi is what they say uh in all of the science literature on mycorrhizal fungi mm -hmm. what they say are the endos only work with non-woody plants your herbaceous plants okay. your fruits your uh, certain fruits and vegetables and all non-woody. Your ectomycorrhizal fungi only work with your woody plants, your trees, mm -hmm. certain fruit trees. The beauty of Dr. Janaret's discovery, her ingenuity, her innovation, her genius is that she was able to work with these. She identified 15 mycorrhizal, ectomycorrhizal fungi. Mm -hmm. So not only do these fungi form the relationship with the woody plants, but what she also was able to do was make them form endomycorrhizal fungi relationships with the non-woody plant. Therefore, you have one that can treat practically any plant Got in it. this whole world. Kind of the, the futon of a, it's both a comfortable bed and a comfortable couch. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> so imagine that in all of science literature says yeah. that this is impossible. Yeah. And she's the only person that knows how to do this. That's great. Uh, she ended up with 15 patents internationally uh, back in the early 90s. And she ended up two years later in 91 and to 93, she ended up with the U.S. patent. So anything about patents, you would know they have a lifespan. Yeah. 18 to 20 years that has passed. Yeah. But so with her ingenuity and innovation, we have a couple of trade secrets involved in our yeah. man, in our process of making these. So yeah. still no one to this day has been able, it's 32 years, no, since she made the discovery, no yeah. one has been able to reduplicate her invention. That's great. And her discovery. So where our company is, yeah. we have ed been able to educate a niche group within the cannabis industry, yeah. the legalized cannabis industry, on the benefits of ectomycorrhizal fungi. We ended up with then the next phase was to go into trial mode because you have to imagine in all these years, 32 years, not one farmer would agree to use her inoculant for a trial. Yeah. Therefore, we found our first break within the cannabis industry with industrial hemp 
in a project with the uh, the, the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture. Oh, yeah. The EPA. I heard about the, this, yeah. Yes, the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources, Natural Resources and Conservation. My alma mater, Lehigh University, was involved in that trial as well. And the Pennsylvania Hemp Industry Council, who's the one that put that whole baby together. And we were invited after being on a panel in Pittsburgh last year. The moderator, Erica McBride, is a huge advocate for industrial hemp across the country. She's one of the lead officers in that organization. And while I was answering a question to the audience, she stops in mid and says, wait a minute, we have to talk after after this and invites us to participate in this trial. Yeah. Uh, this trial was to remediate an abandoned coal mine, anthracite coal mine in yeah. Luzerne County in Pennsylvania, yeah. utilizing industrial hemp. Yeah. We were invited and we ended up with a beautiful, non-nutrient deficient hemp plant that was dwarfed. But yeah. if I once you see these pictures, Bruce, yeah, it gives you all the hope in the world. A beautiful, ready budded hemp plant, no droopy yeah. leaves, and ready to flower hemp plant that gives hope to the rest of this world. Yeah. From there, we were invited by a nonprofit named McKenawa. Uh, that was actually treating, uh, they're from Philadelphia, but they were treating waterborne illnesses in a village in Kenya because they didn't have clean drinking water. Mm -hmm. Met him at, was introduced to him by one of the co-founders of Greenhouse Ventures at the uh, Riley Cote's Hemp Heels event last November that yes. was put on by Rock Nation. Was introduced to the founder of the Ikenawa Foundation, and he offered to for us to participate in a trial utilizing um, regular cash crops. Yeah. The first crops they planted, we sent them with a sample of our product utilizing uh, strawberries, tomato plants, and fig trees. And that trial has basically been, those two trials have led us to here we are at our friends and family earliest stage round of funding with a pipeline of roughly 30 people. And I didn't have to ask one person for any money. They Once they yeah. found out or learned of what we were doing and the results that have been coming back that we've received. And these results are so groundbreaking, very disruptive yeah. that people just offered. Yeah, no, which is, I mean, that's the ideal way, right? Create, create a great product, get great, you know, great data, great research proof that, uh, that actually does what it, what it's, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, yeah, you'll have people, people lining up literally. Absolutely. And they did, that's and great. they are, and all of our raise is culminating with the cannabis learn conference. So greenhouse ventures is putting on yeah. another conference next week here in Philadelphia at the, uh, Pennsylvania Convention Center surrounding research, innovative technologies, yeah. all about learning, not just about the plant, but all these innovative things that are happening within yeah. the industry. I will be speaking three speaking engagements on Tuesday, May 1st. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking on the panel with Athletes for Care at 11 a.m. At 2 p.m., speaking on the ag tech and the sustainability in cannabis and growing sustainable practices. And at 3.20 p.m., I will be presenting for the first time in, in this presentation, releasing some of this groundbreaking data 
to the public Amazing. for the first time. And there we have it. Here's our introduction to Dr. J's Janaret's eco-friendly fungi doing business as Dr. J's fungi. That's amazing. I have a very wonderful situation. Dr. Janaret and I live together. So I get to interact, talk, discuss, plan, and yeah. do anything concerning. And, and we end up with all these unique late night conversations that sometimes go into the wee hours of the morning. I mean, there have been mornings where we've been up eight o'clock in the morning and that conversation started at midnight. And the possibilities that exist to sustainably heal not only the, the cannabis industry, but to also sustainably and eco-friendly heal the world. Yeah utilizing these very beneficial and special fungi. You know, I would love, I, we can schedule another episode. I would love to get both of you, you on and uh, and get into some of this because I'm sure there's fascinating details about what you guys are learning about, you know, about not only the plants, but also the impact that plants can have, you know, really on, on the world, on, on people. On and we're, we're at time here. So I want to say, well, first I want to thank you. This, this is a great story, great conversation. I'm I am really excited to hear what you guys do. I can't be there this coming weekend because of some travel plans. But um, if people want to reach out, I'm sure there's lots of people here that would love to get more information, some insight, you know, have questions. You know, as you start to release some of this data, I would love to get that as well. What's the best way to get a hold of you and and, uh, contact you? Yes, you have my email, dm at janaretsfungi.com. We have a website, which is janaretts, J-A-N-E-R-E-T-T-E-S, Fungi, F-U-N-G-I dot com. You can learn all about this uh, wonderful technology. And I will leave you with this. And we also have a Facebook page, which is Facebook. And you will find us as uh, at Facebook.com backslash Janaretts, J-A-N-E-R-E-T-T-E-S. And there's a whole page there. Great. I want to leave you with this, Bruce, yeah. uh, before you go. Some of the things that I will be releasing in the talk. And also, there is a campaign for Athletes for Care on Indiegogo that you can actually support charity all about CTE and traumatic brain injuries, supporting athletes and research. There's a campaign on Indiegogo. You can actually sign up to get the videos from the conference. Oh, uh, good! And this campaign is going on for 30 days, so you can purchase the the whole all the videos from the conference. Many speakers, the mayor of Philadelphia, the the controller, city controller, all these universities are coming in. You can support charity and also end up with the videos for all of the speakers from the conference. The data I will be releasing is we are talking something where your plants, so let's say you plant a normal plant with fertilizer. With our product, you only need a teaspoon to a tablespoon, depending on what type of seed or seedling you're planting. Mm -hmm. And you end up with increases of 40 to 50% or more in non-woody plants and in increases, yield increases of a thousand percent or more in the woody plants. We'll be releasing that information along with one of our trials with the tomato plants came back. And this is history in real time being made with a natural resistance to infestation. And we're talking about, you know, the reducing the amounts of use of pesticides as well. 
And what also we ended up with is a very beautiful picture, which I will be sharing at the presentation, where when you look at a normal plant root and that came from the fig tree, that plant root was about six inches Mm -hmm. with the size of the plant being only about 10 inches compared to the control. uh, That's the control compared to ours. We're a plant root system, very thick, but over three feet long. (laughs) Yeah. At at this stage (laughs) of the tree and it was planted in August and the size of the plant is over. So we're talking over, we're talking well over in that thousand percent range of increase in yield and also the size of the plant, the fruiting, the fruits increase, the amount of seeds increase, and also the structure of the fungus, which has the structure of the anatomy of the root of the plant, um, which is uh, changes, but it's also very large and dynamic. So there are endless possibilities to help sustain this industry specifically to cannabis, but also to help sustain the world. That's amazing. So I'm, I'm excited to follow up and hear how all this plays out. Thank you again. I, I we will we will be in touch, and this was a pleasure. And I'm uh, I'm really excited to to hear how you guys do. Wonderful, and I hope to one day meet you in person. We'll we'll make that happen. We're not far away. Thank thank you, Bruce. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.